This is the main point I want you to hold on to. The experience that you're having is very similar to the experience that the people that are looking for your investment are having. And if you really want to be an effective investor, stay connected to those feelings because that will turn you into an incredibly supportive investor. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. With this episode, I have officially pushed the publish button on 46 episodes of the Reboot Podcast. And you'd think by now I'd be pretty comfortable with that. I'm not. I'm still nervous every time I do it. And last week's mini episode was terrifying. It's one thing for me to do these introductions and share a story with you all. But I know that the introduction is not the focus for most of you. And a lot of you may even just skip through it. So even though I'm doing this introduction and at times I'm vulnerable, it doesn't really feel like a risky thing to me. In fact, it feels like I'm still kind of hidden. But in last week's episode that I did with Jay Kunzo from Traction Podcast, it was very different. Along with Jay, I was the focus. For me, pushing the button on that episode was a huge risk, which is begging for everyone to recognize what I must still fear to be true. I don't belong here. Listening to our guest today, I was reminded that I certainly have, at many times, including last week, experienced what could be described as imposter syndrome. As I started working as an entrepreneur, I would notice these feelings and voices grow louder and louder, especially when I would attend networking events or meet with large groups of people or, worst of all, speak in front of a group. My old buddy would show up and say, hey, hey, you know what they're all saying to themselves? Who does this guy think he is? What is he doing here? He doesn't belong here. And for the longest time, I just assumed, I don't know, this was my voice. This is how things are. But I've learned over the last few years that we all have some version of this. And I've learned that it's not really that bad. It's not bad at all. And increasingly noticing the voice and appreciating it and why it's showing up has really helped me radically shift my own relationship with it. Samil Shaw has done remarkably well as a one-man shop in wrestling with the challenges of growing his business and being with his family is growing as well, all while continuing to grow himself. But there's a sneaky voice for him, one that can drive him and also hold him back, one that is saying to him, you don't belong here yet. Jerry and Samil explore that voice and how shifting his relationship with it can help him be a better man and a better investor. The very things it and he are after. Enjoy. Applications are due October 1st for our VC bootcamp. Join Jerry Colonna, Brad Feld, and a hand-selected group of 15 of your peers in Boulder, Colorado, January 19th through the 22nd, 2017, for a long weekend to uncover your authentic leadership style and become the best board member, investor, and supporter you can be. Apply now at reboot.io slash VC bootcamp. Most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. Between the two stands resistance. Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art.
Hey, Samuel, it's really great to see you again and, and uh, really connect with you. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Jerry. I've been looking forward to this as well, and uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'm excited. Why don't you take a minute and just introduce yourself and, and let people get used to your voice and that sort of thing. Sure. My name is Samil Shaw. I live in California in the Bay Area, and I worked for a few years at a number of small startups uh, on the digital media side for mobile applications and always had an interest in investing. And I started a small fund about three years ago, and I'm currently working on my third fund. And I invest in really early stage concepts and teams and founders. Yeah, you're... You're, you're known as one of the go-to guys for that really early stage at this point. Yeah, it's fun, and uh, there's no barrier to entry, and I get to, I get to play there and learn. Yeah. Well, thank you for reaching out and, and making the connection and, and agreeing to come on the show. What would be helpful to talk through for you today? Well, it's actually, the timing is interesting this week in particular, that I try to spend a lot of time with people who in the past have created funds Mm -hmm. um, or even created venture capital firms and try to learn from them because there's no textbook and you don't, I'm not an apprentice at another fund. Right. Um, And so, you know, specifically the challenges that I have are building and creating authentic relationships with LPs and the the depth to which those can go in terms of like how you're referenced and feed, you know, feedback loops Mm -hmm. and, you know, how deep of a commitment you need to make as you start managing more and more money. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and on the personal side, as you grow a family Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and just the, the levels and layers of relationships uh, that one needs to maintain, not only by spending time, but also, the proper amount of attention. Right. Right. And I think as a clock ticks, I'm get squeezed both on the personal end and on the work end Mm -hmm. and sort of forces you to concentrate and take more and more risk. Mm -hmm. And so it would just be great, you know, to have one of our conversations just around that and see where it goes. But that's what I deal with on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that would be incredibly helpful for folks to hear as well. Let, let's dive in a little bit and tell me a little bit more of the context. What are you finding to be most challenging, you know, as you sort of either transition for this fund or find a way to um, both grow the fund and live the way you want to be living? You know, some of it, is structural and some of it is just personal. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. I think structurally, the biggest lesson I've learned is that the people who invest traditionally into funds, um, they want to write big checks. Mm-hmm. And the only way to, if you accept a big check, return a bigger check is by taking ownership in a company. Mm-hmm. And I haven't reached that point in my career where I, I either want to take real ownership in a company or, at, you know, try to compete for that. I think it's a different game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other piece of it is also just by being solo, people are concerned about getting to know that person over time and it takes time. Mm-hmm. And so you may think that like in the same way you may apply to college and think, well, Hey, I did 
you know, well in these classes and I took these AP courses and I did my extracurriculars and why didn't I get into this school? Uh, sometimes it's just an issue of time and other applicants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So th I would say those are the two things that um, sort of were my biggest learning points in over the last couple of years meeting and getting to know and, and, and spending time with a lot of LPs and what they look for in managers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So earlier this week, you tweeted out something about getting your mind blown and about learning frameworks. Is that what you were referring yeah. to? Yeah, no, it just so happened that, you know, kind of on a quarterly or semi-annual basis, I try to meet with people, a lot of people that you know, Jerry, uh, that have started funds. Uh, some of them are really amazing funds uh, and franchises, and I'm very lucky that they actually spend time with me. Some I'm in more frequent contact with, some maybe once a year, twice a year, and it just so happened on Wednesday I met with five different uh, people who have either started or steer, you know, a major venture capital fund. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to share with them what I'm trying to do. And they're able to understand the context like you are, mm -hmm. you know, within a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. But the reservoir of knowledge that they have to, to share with you as you're going through it is like super, you know, it, you kind of feel like, oh, someone has been through this and they're expert at what they do. And so, you know, you can, you can learn from them and it's influential, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that you're, you're moving through kind of uncharted territory or to you what seems like uncharted territory and here's somebody who's found a path that's worked for them. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that, that was what I was tweeting about. It's like I spent this whole day with five different uh, people and was able to share with them what, what I'm going and hear back from them either what they have gone through or how they played the game. Mm -hmm. So for our sake, what are you going through? What are you working with? What's happening for you right now? Um, on, the, on the personal side, we, my wife and I were very lucky and blessed to have twins in October. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Yes. So we went from a household of three to five in a matter of weekend mm -hmm. and we knew that that transition would be quite chaotic and mm -hmm. we planned for it and we had a lot of help and we're very, very lucky. Um, but it really squeezed, uh, time out of the, you know, squeezed time out of my schedule pretty aggressively. Mm -hmm. Um, I think number two is I spent a lot of time getting to meet LPs over the last couple of years, hoping that the f success of the first two funds would translate into some larger commitments and sort of had to learn a harder lesson about, hey, you know, there's some things either structurally in the environment or how I'm presenting myself that is not connecting with these people. And it's happening repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to unpack as to why that happened, how much of it is of my own doing. And so that's where I'm kind of am now. And what, what have you come to conclude? Um, I think, and I hope the majority of it is atmospheric, mm -hmm. um, and that in the future, I'm going to have to, I'm not, I'm going to have to spend more time building relationships, uh, and being more open. I'm pretty open, but being even more open about what I want to do and why, um, 
and and probably taking on more risk in terms of doing fewer investments on a per you know per annum basis and concentrating that risk um, into those investments rather than the model that I have now, which is you know maybe two investments a month, so to speak. It's like how do I wrap my brain around maybe just doing one or one and a half per month. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been tuning my behavior to kind of be doing two a month. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe in the next incarnation, like the next incarnation of the fund, it could even be, it could even go under one a month. And how do I start managing my time and attention? Mm-hmm. Uh, not only with my family, but with the people that I work with and choose to work with. What's the problem with managing your time right now? Um, I think because I invest so early and because I feel like I need to constantly prove that I can identify and get into good companies that I have to meet a lot of people, but I get energy from meeting a lot of people and it's obviously intellectually stimulating. I also feel like a lot of people, like the people on Wednesday that I met that make time for me, a lot of people reach out to me for help and I want to make time for them. But if you if you take through like sleeping six hours a night, dealing with kids in the morning and the evening, um, trying to trying to serve the people you've already committed to, and then trying to evaluate new people that you want to bring into your circle, um, you have to start saying no to a lot more people that I would have in the past say yes to. Yeah, and I I, I hear you, and I think that that the balance and mix of things that you're working with right now. We could come at it from a kind of intellectual productivity question, a kind of almost like David Allen's wonderful book, Getting Things Done, where you sort of figure out how to balance everything in terms of the tasks. But this is Reboot. This is Jerry. I'm going to come at it from a different angle. So you're with me? I love it. I am very much with you. So... Here's what's occurring to me. This is the feeling I keep getting. There's this guy who's got this one-man show who, and I, I'm, I'm going to quote back to you, but use the words in a different context, who needs to constantly identify good companies and show that he can get into those companies who needs to, in effect, be connected to authentically, to be open and be vulnerable, but balance all sorts of risks associated with this. Am I starting to identify something that may resonate with you? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely I feel like there's a lot of people who, are trying to invest. Uh, it's pretty crazy to invest early. Uh, there is no barrier to do it. And I, I really love doing it and I enjoy doing it and I would never complain about it. Uh, but I do feel like, um, part of being or having a chance to be good at it is to meet a lot of people and to, to really identify out of those, a lot of people that you meet, uh, ones that could do something exceptional. And so I'm, I know I'm going to make a ton of mistakes. Um, 
Well, what, but, but, let's, but let's hold on that. What is it that you're looking for when you meet a lot of people or when you uh, have your regular meetings with, um, you know, sort of elders in the venture business? What is it that you're looking for, Samuel? Um, well, I would say those two different populations, I'm looking for different things. Uh-huh. Uh, what are you looking for from each of them? Yeah, when I when I meet people like you or people who have started funds and have sort of you know sort of lived it, yeah, I'm I'm looking to quickly get through context and explain to them, well, hey, here are some paths I can take going down the road. Like, how would you think about it, given your experience and your shoes, and you know, what are the frameworks that have guided you so that they can insert little you know, kind of bits of wisdom into my brain and that, that the way my brain works is I'll be thinking about it for months, right? And as I make my own decisions, those frameworks will kind of knock around my head. So so that's what I'm looking for there. It's pretty pretty clear cut. Um, when I'm trying to, when I'm meeting a lot of founders and or people starting companies or people who are reaching out to me, I'm at first looking for people who can play in a large market. Um, and I'm trying to identify if the product, you know, I, I do this pretty quickly, but I'm trying to identify if I buy the concept or the product and service to be dynamic in that, in that market. But then I spend the majority of my time during the meeting. And then frankly, after the meeting, if I'm interested digging into who the people are and what motivates them and if they can, um, have both the kind of right brain and left brain ability to to be a dynamic player in the market. Um, and so that's how I spend my time, and that's what I look for in those meetings. Oftentimes, I don't see that. I, I admit that I'm going to be wrong a lot, and then I just try to try to help out or offer something either in the meeting or in a follow-up. So... I, I'm I'm curious about the connection between the two, and I, I may be feeling something that may not be there. It may be a projection on my part. But what's a, what I'm curious about is there's something that's beautifully humble and somewhat self-effacing about you that, uh, you know, you, you go back to this sort of very interesting question, which was, what is it about my process or who I am or how I present that may be coming across? And the feeling I got, and again, this could be completely wrong, but the feeling I got was, this is a guy who's looking for, on the one hand, best practices from other people because he's not so certain himself. And on the other hand, looking to get into the best possible deals because he wants to show that he's a really good guy, he's a really good investor. And in some ways, those two feelings seem linked. I mean, I well, I think you diagnosed that perfectly. I don't see the link, and that's probably because I don't, you yeah. know, I'm, I, I can't examine it that way, and you, you've probably seen a lot of different things, but your, your diagnosis of each one is correct. Um, 
I don't see the link, but I would probably bet that there is one that I just don't see. So let's try this. Are you a good investor? Yeah, um, there we go. I don't know. Well, part of the reason I'm not to be academic about it, I think that there's seed investing, and that's a type of investor, and then there's venture investing, which is a type of investor. And part of the reason I pause is a lot of people this week ask me, which one do I want to be? Mm -hmm. And I stutter because I don't know. I feel mm -hmm. like you start off in seed because it's early and it's exciting. It's intellectually stimulating. You can meet a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, quite formational. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, it's a different it's a different flavor than like you know when you and Fred started your fund and you're working deeply with you know maybe a handful of companies at a time. I'm not doing that now. See, there it happened again. You just made yourself less than Fred and Jerry. You just put yourself in a lower than position, partially out of humility, which I think is beautiful. But I'm wondering if it's also partially out of insecurity. Yeah, I mean, part of it, I don't, you know, I don't think I come from this world. So this is all very new to me. And mm. uh I'm I'm secure in my ability to go, you know, the five people I met on Wednesday, you know, I can hang with them for hours. Um, mm -hmm. I don't worry about my ability to go sit down with, you know, spend an hour and a half with Andy Ratcliffe at, at his house and go talk through every issue uh -huh. and have him leading think that, oh, hey, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So I'm confident about that. But I don't come from the world of technology. I don't come from the world of finance. Um, I don't know this stuff. So... I'm picking stuff up as I go along. So when people ask me like, oh, how did you learn how to do this? Yeah, yeah. So when people ask you, how do you learn how to do this? Don't tell me what you tell them. Tell me what you feel. Um, I mean, I obsess over it. Yeah, I know you do. Tell me how you feel. Is, is the obsession not a feeling? <laughs> um, no, the obsession is an action. Okay. How, do you feel happy, sad, um, guilty, uncomfortable, joyful? Okay. Uh, I think it's a mix of joy and paranoia. Yes. I can feel both of those. <laughs> right. Yeah. What's the fear? What's the paranoia? That they're going to find out that you don't know what the fuck you're doing? Uh, no, because I kind of just say that anyway. Um, so what's the paranoia? I think the paranoia... Um, that at some point, uh, it won't just be collaborative and kumbaya. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a little more combative if I want to keep keep progressing. And what's so wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with it. Um, well, why is it fearful? I mean, there's also just par paranoia around, well, 
you know, I made a couple of good investments earlier, things that people recognize. And, mm-hmm. you know, is that, will I, will I always be able to do that? Or will people think that I'm crazy if I miss a year's worth of stuff, you know? Um, yeah. Just constantly be, being kind of knowing what's happening. Yeah. And just slipping from that. I have, there, there's a fear of that as well. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I want you to hang out with that for a moment. And, I can't recall if the last time we talked, we talked about the imposter syndrome. But are you familiar with that? Yeah, no. I think the first time you're mentioning that is in that long podcast you did with uh, Jason. That's right. Maybe like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's sort of sad is I I didn't know who you were, and I remember I wrote about your conversation with Jason, and someone someone said, "How could this person not know who Jerry Colonna is?" And yeah, I looked up imposter syndrome. I never heard that before. Mm. So here you go. This is a version of it. It's and it's and it's and it's epidemic in our society. And sometimes it it does something really powerfully supportive for us, which is it keeps us humble. And sometimes it gets so out of control, and that's when it actually flips into the imposter syndrome that it actually starts to diminish us and it keeps us from realizing the fullest potential that we have. Now, you spending time with this aspect and becoming friendly with this aspect of your personality. Now, I'm going to slip out of coach mode right now and go into a little bit of a mentor mode, okay? You slipping out of this or spending time with this can be super helpful for you as an investor. You want to know why? You better say yes. Sure. Yes. (laughs) Because all of the entrepreneurs that you are looking to invest in suffer from this as well. Yesterday, I did a workshop for Techstars in Boulder And I talked about some of the the challenges of being a founder. And I, I, you know, had a bulleted list. And one of the bulleted items was the sensation of being utterly incompetent. And everybody laughed and everybody cried and everybody looked at it and realized they all had that same feeling. And the concomitant fear is that people are going to figure it out. And so you keep telling me over and over again just to make sure that I'm, I make no mistake about it, that you don't have a background in technology, that you don't really, you're not really as, do you hear it? Because what you're trying to ward off against is me looking at you and saying, how can you not know who Jerry Coloner is? How can you not know who this thing, how could you not know this fact or this thing? I mean, part of it, part of is also just what I've observed in the venture capital world is mm. that because there's a lot of competition and most people aren't differentiated and they're selling a commodity, mm-hmm. um, that it's easier to deposition other people, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, I heard a lot of feedback that I had no idea existed about me from people when I was reference checked. I mean, that was just a huge, mm. um, you know, eye-opening thing of like, oh my God, now there's there's these people now who have collected pretty granular feedback on me 
that I would have no access to. It's in a vault somewhere. Right. Um, which, which, again, would contribute to the paranoia. So if you take a moment, can you hear the middle school-like atmosphere you're talking about? Oh, that, yeah. That's Absolutely. like a kind of, kind of a consequence of the competitive aspect and how it antagonizes some core insecurities. So here's another insight. Every one of your entrepreneurs feels the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're all worried about how they are being positioned vis-a-vis -vis either the competition or sometimes not even the competition directly in the market, but the competition in terms of mindshare. This is the main point I want you to hold on to. The experience that you're having is very similar to the experience that the people that are looking for your investment are having. And if you really want to be an effective investor, stay connected to those feelings because that will turn you into an incredibly supportive investor. I mean, I feel that when entrepreneurs are dealing with an issue and I talk to them in a certain way or talk with them in a certain way and I get that feedback from them and they're like, oh, because it's not the same thing that we're doing, but it is the same yes, feelings. Exactly. Uh, and, and so that does make a little bit of a difference um, in, in at least those kind of more intense conversations. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and as a director, once you've made an investment, as you slip into that role of being the chief conciliary, you get to draw on the emotional experience that you've had of feeling somewhat excluded, of feeling somewhat less than, of feeling perhaps you're out of your depth, trying to make sure that people understand that, worrying about, you know, from a paranoid stance, worrying about what people are thinking about you. As you feel all those things, my encouragement to you would be, to stay connected to those feelings as you work to, with the entrepreneurs. Because the, what, the, what the entrepreneurs need more than anything else is that kind of support. So that then when you give them advice appropriate from a board member, you're giving them an advice within the context of a larger understanding of their journey. Does that make sense? Right. Absolutely. I'm going to start to wrap us, but I want to give you a piece of homework if you're willing to take that. What I'd like you to do is actually write about it, and you can choose whether or not you want to write about it and make it public or not. But here's the question or set of questions I'd like you to work with. First question is, you ready? I'm ready. What kind of man do I want to be? What kind of father do I want to be? What kind of leader do I want to be? And finally, what kind of investor do I want to be? And with that last question, resist the impulse to answer the question purely intellectually. That is, not just seed level, blah, 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 but really talk to who you are as a person. And the reason I think that this homework assignment is going to be really powerful for you is if you go back to what it is that you're looking to invest in, 
the kinds of people you're looking to form that investor relationship with, you're asking those very same questions of them. You're fundamentally asking them an existential question. Who are they? And I want you to ask that question from a place of having a point of view about yourself. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes, it makes a ton of sense. And it also is very, it's tactical at the same time. Yes. And it's, it's great. Yeah. So I wrote them down. Yeah. Yeah. So will you, will you do that? And if you're brave enough or feel open enough, would you publish it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've got to think about, I mean, I've never thought about number three leader. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I have, you know, whereas number two, I kind of have a, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. So I need to let it kind of uh, percolate a little bit, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. And when it's done, we can have a little back and forth about it, perhaps even on your blog. Okay. That sounds great. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for opening up so vulnerably and, and being real and present here. Um, it was a different kind of uh, episode, a different kind of conversation, but I think one that uh, folks are going to really enjoy. So thanks again for coming. Yeah, too. And thanks. Thank you, Jerry. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a rating on iTunes. Your rating is the single most effective way for new listeners to find and enjoy the show. You can also get all Reboot podcast episodes by signing up at reboot.io slash signup. There's a link for that in our show notes. I am Dan Putt from Reboot, and you've been listening to the Reboot Podcast. Thanks for joining. How long till my soul gets it right?